Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> hey, listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain. Oh, we're trying to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Same. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watch the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertain. <laughs> this month is... Wow! Oh, Maze, why do you say that? Supercharge it <laughs> so that this promo can remain evergreen. I feel like explaining a little bit more. In 60 seconds? I don't know. Maybe I don't bring attention to it. Assuring people like, look, if you listen, you're going to get it. Just give it, give it time. That's a good promo. Just listen to it. Give it time. You'll figure it out. Is this the promo right now? Isn't it? Okay, I think we got it. Cinefo. Wherever you get podcasts. <laughs> Coming to you live from the Ray Horseman Studio in North Hollywood, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, become a better boss. Dr. Eric Anisich from the USC Marshall School of Business is here to tell us how to effectively manage employees. Is a balloon animal sculpture really an appropriate Christmas bonus? We'll find out. And we'll talk t-shirt economics. Can you get rich selling the shirts off your back? A case study in Paula Poundstone's unique strategy in how to lose money gives us the answer. I'm Adam Felber. This show's conversational HR department trying to comply with government regulations mandating that podcasts stay on topic. And now, please welcome the woman who never passes the required webinar training on relevance, Paula Poundstone. Thank you so much. Wonderful job, House Band. Thank that, you. That's Kristen Webb, our contrabassoonist. Uh, welcome back, Kristen. Those were some low notes. Those were some very low notes. Um, that sounds great. I, I have some news. Oh, uh, you do? I do have news, which is Tom Hanks has agreed uh, to come on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Who's that? Uh, Tom Hanks, the actor. Oh, yeah. okay. Tom, Tom Hanks. Uh, and Wow, uh, really? You know, he's he's the nicest Guy, everybody in, says he's the nicest show, guy in Hollywood, but he's sure not on a lot of podcasts. Uh, no, I mean, this he just he's a movie coming out, yeah. he's just receiving the Cecil B. DeMille Award at the um, I think it's at the SAG AFTRA Awards this year, Lifetime Achievement. Oh, uh, not the Cecil B. DeMille Best Chariot Award, no, but no, Best Act and, and Life, Lifetime, Lifetime Achievement. Achievement. He's got two Academy Awards for 
uh, Best Actor, but he's one no, for Bosom Buddies. He's no, no, he did not get an Academy Award for Bosom Buddies. <laughs> the movie. He's uh, he is known for being the nicest guy in the world, Absolutely. and so I was a little surprised. I am um, by his demands. Demands. In order to come on the show. I, oh, he sent you a writer. He did, he'd send an email with some things that he would need. Well, we, uh, he's a big uh, star. We should give him whatever he that's needs. That's exactly what I thought. Okay. He wants pedophores. Uh, okay. And uh, doable. He doesn't want uh, Mrs. Culpepper to wear her ruby satin dress. What? What? <laughs> you mean your 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 hand puppet, Mrs. Culpepper? I, I will I will not be seen without my ruby satin dress, Mrs. Culpepper. You arguably and I'm not going to have Tom Hanks telling me what I can wear. He, I'm not going to consult Tom Hanks on my wardrobe. Uh, <laughs> Captain Culpepper always said that I looked delicious in my ruby satin dress, Mrs. Culpepper. I bet he still loves your ruby satin dress. Uh, well, no, uh, I think he would. Well, he alive, but uh, oh, uh, oh. Uh, oh, yes, uh, Captain, Captain Culpepper has passed away. Has passed. Oh well, you know, any good soldier going down in battle—that's often the way they want to go down. That's not how he died, Adam Felber. Oh uh, uh, no, no, he, uh, Captain Culpepper, succumbed to triotoxism. Triotoxism, uh, which is uh, uh, poisoning by a cheese or other dairy products. Oh my lord. Uh, it was very sad. Uh, very yeah, sad. one bad ham and Swiss, and it's done. No, it was not a Swiss cheese. No, it wasn't. It was the uh, it was the Gouda that got him. <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to allow Tom Hanks to tell me what to wear. I'm so, surprised if you provide petty fools for him. Now, That's your mistake, Adam Felber. Is Paula Poundstone in there? Paula, can I talk to you for a minute uh, away uh, from uh, 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 Ms. Culpepper? Yeah, yeah. Are we really going to turn Tom Hanks down based on the whim of some demonstrably already unclothed hand puppet? I think, uh, well, you know, once Petty Force, I like, uh, we uh, always have uh, a couple of bags of Hawaiian chips. We have some uh, double stuffed Oreos. We have a bag full of Heath bars. We have the pumpkin-shaped Reese's peanut butter cup. For I the, feel like his uh, demands are- Petty Force. I don't think that's an unreasonable demand. I'll bring the Petty Force. Okay. All right. I'll let him know. And if we can just get Mrs. Culpepper to play ball, then we're done. What? <laughs> All right. Uh, Paula, um, speaking about clothing yes. and hotel oh, soap, uh, t- let's talk about how your T-shirt sales are going. Because we frequently My talk about T-shirts on this show. Remarkably soft tri-poly blend T-shirt. I'm going to let that go this week. Uh, uh, which is, uh, uh, it has a self-portrait on the left breast and uh-huh. a memorable quote on the back. Yes. And uh, they're very popular. They are? They're very popular. Okay. Uh, certainly in our well, house, what's they're new? very popular. Well, they're, well they're, they're popular with your daughter for a reason. Well, I, I, I just uh, hired my daughter, my, my oldest daughter, to uh, fold shirts. We had a new shipment of shirts come in, and they come rolled. And, and in order for me to put them into the suitcase to carry them to my job. Oh, my back hurts hearing about this. Yes? Yeah. Then I, I need them folded. So... Uh, the so you folding, paid your daughter to I fold. I paid my daughter to fold. It took five hours and 15 minutes of folding. Okay, and how uh, much did you pay her? It was $108. I you paid her $108 and to fold. Uh, and 75 cents, I think it was. But what I did was I I'm paid, write that down, I paid $109. Doing, you paid $109. I think it was that. Uh-huh. Oh, no, excuse me. I take that back. It was, yeah, that's what it was. Now, how much do you charge per shirt at your shows? 
Uh, I believe it's 30 for the standard and 32 mm-hmm. for the baseball uh, style. However, uh-huh. uh, both are made from a remarkably soft, soft tri-poly blend. blend. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, and and but, so, you know, they're so what is your, valuable. And how much do they cost you? Uh, per shirt. I'm, I'm not even certain. Okay, this uh, would be a good thing to know when you're setting the price yeah, of a product. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Because if the sure. answer is $40, I'm going to identify a problem right there. Yeah. Well, of course, I have to carry them on the road. You and carry then, literally hundreds of shirts with you on the road. I carry, no, I carry, uh, th- usually I have 30, on the first night out, I have 32 of the standard and 40 of the uh So 72 baseball. t-shirts you're, you're carrying uh, uh, yeah, boy. with your and, luggage. And, ladies and gentlemen, you can't see Adam Fulber, but I'm going to just tell you, He's doing this right in his head. It's no scratch paper, no calculator. I, I, I think, I think we're going to see that the math is kind of easy here. It's so impressive. Um, so, uh, so, so here's what happens. Here's what happens. Every venue we go to, I have to pay a seller, and then I have to give a percentage to the venue. And the sellers, I got to tell you, I have this sheet. We call it a merchandise worksheet where okay. I, de- I tell them how many I counted in. Okay. I, there's a box that says count out. So what they're supposed to do is at the end of the night, they're supposed to count how many were left over. And then there's how many sold, which you get by subtracting, how I, many you started with. I am with familiar many, with right? addition and subtraction. Then we put in the box the price of the item. Right. And then the last thing is, you know, total. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times just the number three has been in the last box. Total three? Yes. Isn't the total Which is not even money? a monetary. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so typically at the end of the night, how many have you sold? Uh, I'm just trying to figure per, out if this is I, worth I, it. I might, sell, I might sell maybe somewhere from seven to ten per okay. job. Okay. So in three nights, I might sell, well. At best, 30. At best. Well, 30 is a lot. I guess it's 30 times 30. It's $900. And well, then the maybe be- I exaggerate it. Come to think of it. <laughs> I think it might be 20. I just, you know, I do have a publicist, and I'm trying to get on the cover of Forbes magazine, and that's why I said that it would be 30 for three nights. But it's not. It's No, it's more like 20. We're at 30. You still wouldn't be on the cover of Forbes. Or you, in the back mean? pages. What do, you, what do you mean? I don't understand what you're saying. It sounds like it's adding up to being not worth it for you. Well, I, 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 I haven't given up. Let me just say that. I haven't, I haven't given up. In fact, I promote it often here on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, you can go to www.paulapoundstone.com and get this lovely tri-poly blend shirt, which I'm not going to criticize you calling it tri-poly anymore. I can't tell you how many people, when they do buy the shirt at my shows, yeah. come up to me and say they're like – they're holding the shirt in their hands and sort of stroking it with their fingers, and they go, tell Adam he's wrong. <laughs> but I've never claimed it's not soft. It's a very soft shirt. I have felt it myself. Do you know why it's soft, Adam? Because it's a tri-blend. Because it's made from a remarkably soft tri-boli, tri-poly blend. You can't even say a it. A tri-boli Plus blend. Plus it does. That's a, a different. It's a Bollywood that's blend. That's a different, yeah. yeah. That's a different kind of shirt altogether. There, in the tri-boli blend, right. um, the, there's uh, holes where the nipples are. All right. You brought it up. <laughs> I understand you have a new theory about your wounded nipples. I do, Now, for those actually. of you who don't know, Paula's, Paula, having lived a blameless life with multiple cats, all of a sudden, within about a month of each other this summer, one cat pierced her left nipple and then another cat pierced her right with their bat- hind claws. And that's never happened to you. It's never happened to me in all the years I've owned And we've tracked that on this show and, to and the nipples. detriment of all of us. I have given a number of nipple updates, and tonight and I And now they're fine. I have a friend. They're totally healed. Those are healed nipples. Um, 
But what I realized, so I was disturbing. doing push-ups today uh-huh. at my Taekwondo class. And yes, I'm one belt away from being a black belt. Um, but nice. I was doing push-ups today and on using this device that you put on the floor and you hold with your hands. And uh, after each push-up, you... Um, Take the the things that you're holding with your hands slide, but they have a resistance from springs. Uh-huh. So you're sliding them. So uh, you're getting other ho- muscle groups besides just your pectoral muscles. Precisely. And, and your deltoids. Um, and, and I noticed while I was about to cry using it that um, the name of it is something like, you know, chest hardener or something. <laughs> and that's when it dawned on me that uh, what's happening rank. is yes. my chest has become harder with muscle okay, and maybe extends a little further than it used to. And yet my nipples have not gotten harder at all. And so I think what happened was when my cats jumped on me, they miscalculated where my nipples were. That would imply that they had been being respectful to your nipples beforehand, wouldn't it? For years. (laughs) (laughs) So your theory is that that somehow all all the the workout, and you do look great. All the workout, you you look ripped. You look like Carrot Top. I I look like Carrot Top? Is that what you said? Yeah. Have you seen what has happened to him in the last decade or two? What happened to him? Oh, I'll show you a picture later. Is he all work? He's done some exercise. Oh, yeah. has he? He, oh, he piscopoed wow. really hard. Did he yeah, really? Yeah, he did. Oh my gosh! So, <laughs> do you think I'm going to start using props? Yeah. Oh, I, I hope think not. I think you're going to be a prop comic. I oh. think it starts with I think it starts with Paula's nippleless t-shirts, and then it yeah, moves on from my, there. My uh, my remarkably soft uh, tri Bolly blend t-shirt. So, let's change the subject now. You yeah. saw Rachel Maddow. I saw Rachel Maddow. It was so great. She uh, it, she tweeted just, at you while you were in line uh, to see her. Somebody told me that she yeah. had, but I, I saw you tweeting that you were walking to the back of the line, and and Rachel tweeted back. She quote tweeted you because she wanted everybody to read it. Almost there, Paula. Somebody told me that, and I never saw it. I went home and looked for it, and I never saw it. Okay, I, you got to show me the way because that is so exciting. I'll to show me. that to you right after you see Carrot Top. I, I uh, oh, Rachel Maddow's using props now. Um, <laughs> So the line was unbelievably long, like 2,000 people, which is part of, it it really buttresses my theory um, that absolutely the Russians cheated to help Trump get elected because you should have seen this crowd. They were so happy to see Rachel I hear that no newscaster has ever had a crowd even slightly. (laughs) It's the biggest crowd ever. Ever. Um, It was an incredibly long line, but very, very nice people. And we, and we, it was such a long line and I'm in, I'm in fairly good shape right now. It was such a long line that I was actually tired from walking to the back of it. If only you'd been walking with your chest. Yeah. Uh, So anyways, but she was great. And here's a, this is an important thing for our show. Okay. She used the word outre twice. Did she really? Yeah. Does that mean she listens to us? Uh, I don't know, but okay. I knew what it meant. It was so yeah. exciting. Yeah, because we're all the people around me were like, "What? What?" And you were like, "Outre." Uh, yeah, outre. Of yeah. course. That means something yeah. from my show. Honestly, I've totally forgotten what it means. What it means. Well, I have. that's okay. Which reminds me that I've come up with a theory. Yes. Um, I I have a theory that part of the reason the words. I mean, I can remember the vocabulary word during the show, mm-hmm. but after the show, honestly, I don't remember it. Right. Anymore. I remember you, we did a test and you uh, cheated. I, well, I didn't cheat. I studied, asshole. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but you claimed you didn't. Okay. I did claim I did. And then you I made reference that. to the flashcards in your car. Oh, damn it. Um, yeah. No, I did. I didn't cheat. So you didn't cheat. I, you lied. I did study. Yeah. I didn't cheat. I lied. Yeah. <laughs> Which means I could at least be a Trump nephew. That's right. Um, uh, hey, Paula. You know, 
every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i, I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. You can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. 
That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. So, uh, and so anyways, I think that the reason I am not remember, I think we need a little song. A song with all our words? Yeah. Like, okay, well, if you're one of our listeners out there uh, and you want to write a song with all the vocabulary words, you will instantly I don't know, win no, a bar I, of hotel soap. No, no, no. I think what we have to do is build each week. Like, here's an example. Okay, I, I take um, that back, listeners. Uh, like, what if it was like, this week's word is truckle. It means to be subservient or obsequious. Last week's word was stickle. It means to argue or insist stubbornly, especially about trifles. Yeah, I like my idea. Yeah, yeah, your idea's better? <laughs> yeah. All right, I'd be happy for people to submit yeah, a vocabulary Yeah, submit a song that uses songs. as many vocabulary of our vocabulary words as possible. I don't know if you're going to find anything better than this week's word is truckle. Hey, do you have a word for this week? It means to be subservient or obsequious. 
Is that last t- week's word was stickle? Oh, it means God. to argue or insist stubbornly, especially about trifles. Yeah, that's not even that doesn't rhyme. You don't have to rhyme, Adam. Okay, you okay. don't always have to rhyme. They don't always what's have with, to. What's with you and rhyming? I like uh, rhyming. This week's word is truckle, Adam. Okay. It, it means to be subservient or obsequious. Uh, here, I'll use in a sentence. I can't wait to find out what Vladimir Putin has on Lindsey Graham that has caused him to truckle so. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it is good. I'm not going to truckle to Tom Hanks. Nobody's asking you to truckle, Mrs. Culpepper. I'm not taking off my red sateen dress for Tom Hanks. You, he doesn't He doesn't have designs on Academy, you. Academy, schmacademy, I don't care. Did you Adam just Selma. schma? A schmacademy. You schmacademy. You're, you're southern gentry. What's with the schma? I've met Jews. <laughs> Touche. Oh, no, I will not truckle to Tom Hanks. <laughs> okay, one more thing before we move on. I, uh, we're all over the map, but I, we do have um, uh, an update on our frontier communications. We do? Yes. Now, you just finished your, we talked about it last week, you finished your week of not using a smartphone. You used You're a not flip using phone. a smartphone, and I journaled about it, and last like week I gave a, a, a variety of updates throughout the show. I, I gave my journal entries. Uh, right. And uh, you did your part because they went ahead and sent us a swag bag and a thousand dollars. Right. Well, they sent me. That's not true. This they is the update. They sent me a, a a large sort of suitable for photographing a prop check. A prop something check. Something that Carrot Top might use. Yeah. I, and I, I, I let me just show you the position that the security guard held my arm in when they took me and out the of the bank. bank. Yeah. Trying to cash Don't try the cardboard to cash check. Those prop checks. Yeah. But they were going to transfer the real money into your real bank account. I wonder account. if uh, Carrot Top gets paid in prop checks. That would be funny. <laughs> That'd be deeply amusing and appropriate. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. The money hasn't arrived yet, has it? Not according to my, uh, my uh, bookkeeper. No, so, they haven't seen hide nor hair of wow. the Frontier Communications check. And it's... The only reason that Dame Maggie Smith is uh, out on, did you see her on her on your way in? I saw tonight? somebody on on Miranda Street out there. I did not think it was Dame Maggie Smith. Well, it is. Uh, she uh, seems, she seems. has agreed to do the show, and uh, uh, we have certainly not trickled to her. She said really? that uh, she would come on. I she wouldn't accept money, but she said that we could give a thousand dollars to her favorite charity, and. Uh, She's well, been waiting in her car until ever, that money ever comes since because I don't have the thousand. I said, I said, great, this will work uh, because I'm getting a thousand dollars from Frontier Communications, and then so well, far it looks like nothing. they're stiffing us. I got to be honest. I mean, I we, we, we you went ahead and journaled and yeah. you you listened to. Those I should have waited till the money was in the you bank. You should have waited till the money because it's not <laughs> yeah. in the bank now. Tony Anita Hall emailed Frontier Communications online marketing manager Karen Quatch Quatch Quack. What was it, Tony? Quack Quack. We've I wish you could quatch. see. So every now and then, I mean, I love it that we do an audio, you know, there's a podcast, but every now and then there's something that's such a visual that I wish you could have seen Tony Anita Hull's face while she was doing, she was like, quack, quack, quack as though she quack. could get us the pronunciation visually. And, and I, and I, <laughs> yeah. And I looked over because it was clearly a bird expert. Quack. But, but anyway, quack. Uh, Karen Quack um, is going to see where the, I Tony, thought it was Quatch. It's spelled Quatch. It's pronounced Quack. Yeah, and I'm here to say that's not that much better either. No, it's Quatch, but she's on, she's on the lamb. She's hiding out. Well, she is in fact she's out of been, the office until uh, a few days from now. So. She's been kiting cardboard checks all over the country, <laughs> getting people oh, to perform. Oh, oh tasks. yeah, she, we're supposed to have been paid the grand, and Karen Quatch is Quack. on. She's out of the office until October. What? 
uh, it's well, late in October. Until yes, later later in October than it is now. Yeah. <laughs> is that what is that what her email says? No. I'm out till later in October than it is now. Yes. If I owe you any money, uh, surely I'll get back to you when I'm back later, later in, in this October. October or another October to be named later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm busy working. <laughs> All right. Coming up, Steve Jobs says, it doesn't make sense to hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. What's the best way to manage your employees? Dr. Eric Anisich is here to tell how to be a good boss when we return. Uh, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is sponsored in part by Tuesday. Tuesday. The name to trust in days of the week. Yes, Tuesday, because beginning October 29th, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone will drop on Tuesday instead of the more familiar Monday. Wah! Tuesdays are so much better than Mondays. Monday is the beginning of another week. A day you have to gin up the energy to go out and tilt at windmills again. But Tuesday, nobody expects much out of Tuesday. It's not the middle of the week. It isn't. It's not the beginning of the week. Mm -hmm. It's not the end of the week. It's the kind of day nobody really cares about. So it's a perfect day for all the nobodies in the world to tune into our show. So remember, nobodies, when you wake up on Monday, October 28th, expecting to hear our podcast, don't. Because as of October 29th, you'll hear fresh episodes of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone every Tuesday. Don't get confused. It's Tuesday instead of Monday. Tuesday. There's nothing special about it. It's just there, like you are, every Tuesday, checking out a new episode of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Oh, house band Kristen Webb. That is fantastic. It is so good to have you back. Um, Paula. Yeah. You are a boss. Yeah. And I don't mean I'm that. Not the it, boss. No, you're not the boss. That would. That I'm would be, a boss. Yes, you employ some people. Yeah. Yeah. How good a boss are you? I suck at it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I, I employ a small group of people, and I, honestly, I'm not very good at it. I hate to ask anybody to do anything. I can't stand talking about money. If I had more hands and more skills and could be in two places at once, I'd just do everything myself. Oh, being a boss is a skill. Um, and uh, we have someone here who's going to help you develop your skill set. Dr. Eric Anisich is an assistant professor of management and organization at USC's Marshall School of Business. Dr. Anisich is an expert in social hierarchy within groups. Ooh. Ooh. Please welcome Dr. Eric Anisich. Wow. So, so glad you could be here. Thank Thanks you for, for having coming. Me. It's exciting. Let's start with a foundational question. What are the most important practices of a good boss? What should Paula know right now? That is an incredibly important question. It's also an incredibly big question when you think about all the types of variables that could come into play to influence effective leadership. Okay. Um, but I mean, one way to approach that question, I think, is to take the definition of leadership and then kind of unpack it into its components and try to see where you can go from there. So oh, nice. a pretty common definition of leadership is something along the lines of the ability to motivate and enable a group of individuals to accomplish some shared goal or common task, something like this. Um, so if you break that up into its component parts, really it's about motivating people and enabling them to do what you want them to do. And so the question is, how do you do that, right? So yeah. at the very kind of base of the pyramid, you have kind of extrinsic motivation, which are, you know, kind of these external rewards or incentives that people are given, you know, pay, 
even just praise benefits, benefits, promotion opportunities, things like this are, are certainly motivating to some extent. But well, there, anybody in the Paula Poundstone organization does have the um, the potential to eventually become Paula Poundstone. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Is that They're what all you're promising? Their way up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could all. She's the fourth Paula Poundstone. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, they could all be at the top of the T-shirt empire that yeah. I've created. <laughs> they could they could lose thousands and thousands of dollars uh, making a podcast. Yeah. That's possible for anybody. Anybody could aspire to that. Yeah. Well, I don't, yeah. That sounds appealing, but yeah. what I would say is, you know, moving away from extrinsic motivation into the realm of intrinsic motivation, which is essentially doing something just for its own sake, because you yes. really enjoy doing it. You inherently, you get, you drive some pleasure or satisfaction from it. That's really the gold standard when you want to think about motivating employees. And so, there are several you know, things you can do in that regard. I mean, one of the most effective is something known as job crafting. So if you can give your employees a sense of autonomy to decide how and when to do their work, maybe who to do their work with, maybe they don't always have to come into, I, mean, I was going to say the office or the, what, you know, the, the studio, the podcast. Wow. You know, cubicle Paul, here. I'm going to work from home next week. <laughs> I, well, I, if that's all right. I, I, I got to just find a little bit more about what my goals are for this podcast. <laughs> right. I had a nanny when my kids were little and I traveled uh, and uh, I let her, uh, you know, design her own job. And uh, so she just never came in and my kids live like the boxcar children. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's, right. Yeah. So, so within reason, right, you have to also oh, provide some reason. structure and guidance and, you know, shared goals and, you know, the culture you create is all kind of part of that. But uh -huh. once you have some of those things in place, then if you give people a little autonomy, a little flexibility, it tends to be associated with higher levels of satisfaction, even creativity, uh -huh. um, because, you know, a boss isn't always the one who knows the best or most right. efficient way to do something. That's, so that's Steve Jobs. It, yeah, exactly. Empowering the people who know what they're doing to figure out the best oh, ways right. to do it tends to lead to better outcomes. So well, let's get uh -huh. into the specifics of Paula's. Yeah. So you hire people work. and you let them do what you hired them for. Yeah, to some extent. And, you know, it's going to vary by context. You know, what what latitude means in different contexts is going to vary. But um, mm -hmm. to the extent you can give them a little flexibility, a little autonomy, that's that's one of kind of the core predictors of intrinsic motivation. So, Paula, let's okay. talk about your actual business and like problems that you have, like communication. Yeah, I'm not a good communicator because I, I don't well, I don't like to talk about work for the most part. What I do is I leave notes I leave mm. a lot of notes, and most of my sign it anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure signing it anonymous is not a good idea. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's not. What's the uh, best way to communicate with employees? Yeah, that's a good question. So, anonymous notes is is maybe could work in some situations, but uh, you know, <laughs> but I think probably not. Probably, probably not. Um, but what I, what I would say is there's probably not a generalizable answer to that question. But you know, in general, <laughs> in general. Uh, if the message is very routine or simple, I think it's fine to, you know, leave a text message or leave a note or whatever. That's not really an issue. I think right. the issue becomes when the message is more ambiguous or complex. And then if you're not doing it face to face or over some sort of video conference call or something, you're going to miss out on nonverbal cues, the tone of voice, which can communicate a lot. Eye rolls, questions. eye rolling, eye rolls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this is you know, you're like all comedians. I mean, if you they're have flipping lots you of off, sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't for know example, that. You wouldn't know yeah, it's important right. to have. Flipped off. It's important right. to have Wendell right in and front the other thing, of you. I mean, about right. me off. communication and and being a boss, and in particular the the, the effects of power. Uh, it power tends to. Uh, have an amplifying effect on people's communication. So especially really? if you're communicating down because the hierarchy. I can think of someone in a position of power uh, that doesn't communicate well at all. 
Yeah, it's quite common, unfortunately, for leaders not to be very effective communicators. But yeah. I think one he way to help... communicates with one man, yeah. and his name is Vladimir. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Vlad- and not effectively either. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's me again. Yeah, um, right. not effectively, yeah. Right. Okay, so uh, what did you say about power? So, Position of power? Yeah, uh, so... If you say something, so let's take gratitude, for example. So I do some research on the relationship between power and the expressions of gratitude. One thing that happens is if leaders express gratitude, it's going to be even more beneficial for employees because it's it's like amplified as it's coming down the hierarchy. So it's, it's not, like, it's oh, not wow, like gratitude from somebody next, right. in the next cubicle. Right, it's not cubicle. like a stranger or your peer yeah. or your subordinate. It, it's extra, it has this extra special so Just saying thanks punch. once in a while. Yeah, saying thanks. Like, like you know, thanks yeah. for keeping me on topic. Yeah, sure. Or you know, something like that. Even silence, you know, the, the absence <laughs> of communication can, you know, be deafening at times, right? So oh, I mean, yeah. I think a useful example of this is, you know, an airline pilot, right? Big position of power in that moment when they're flying you around, they have your life in your hands. Mm-hmm. If you go through, you know, moderate or severe turbulence, you know, your most people's heart, you know, starts to race a little bit. If the captain remains completely silent, never addresses it, you're going to, you know, wonder what's going on. Was that dangerous? Is yeah. that a problem? On the other hand, if it comes on and you just hear, ah! Right, right, right. <laughs> right. That, that would be effective really communication, but it wouldn't be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Would co- if, that would communicate a very important message, yeah. but or it wouldn't put hear, me at ease. If there's yeah. anybody who knows what this button is for, could you please come <laughs> to the cockpit? Right. That exactly. really is a turnoff. So, so, little, but I, but I, I do like hear that. you. I've been through some the harrowing moments I can remember being through on planes right. is because the pilot wasn't talking to us. Yeah. Like was, yeah. Once we were landing, we were landing at LAX once coming in for a landing. We got really close to the, um, it was, and it was, you know, it was a kind of a rainy day. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of turbulence. We got really close Pilots to the landing strip. from LA can't fly in the rain. Yeah, I guess not. And we got super close to the landing strip. Right. And then we pulled up again and went straight smack out over the ocean. And there was deafening silence from from ev- yep. from the cockpit, and like the woman next to me was gripping my hand and sobbing. Like people thought that. Okay, that but I think there's st- more to this story. What had you done to her? Oh, terrible things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I spent, yeah. I spent the entire flight breaking down her sense of self worth. Yeah. No, 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 no. But she, she wasn't alone. Like everybody was panicking because everybody was like, "We're not landing. That they must be taking us out over the ocean mm-hmm. to let us explode or something." Uh huh. Um. And just so finally, when we land, the pilot lets us know. Uh, you know, I just couldn't see the landing strip that well, so I figured I'd just uh, be you know use some discretion and uh, fly us out of the ocean, turn around. Well, so why he's not while he's not seeing the landing strip, he was supposed to talk to you guys. No, but sometime between that and landing, yes. Yeah. If anyone could see the landing strip, can they please come to the cockpit? <laughs> right, right. All right. So I was I was just going to say so so the airline the airline example is one thing, but I think you know a more tangible kind of takeaway that I think you could consider and other leaders can consider doing is maybe taking a page out of the playbook of professors. So something I have to do sometimes reluctantly is this idea of holding office hours, right? So just a block of time you set aside in your schedule. Maybe it's mm-hmm. each week, two hours. Maybe yeah. it's a couple times a month, whatever. Every time you block out that time and just tell your employees, hey, look, I'm going to be available this time. You can call me, text me, come to my office, come see me. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, feedback, whatever, like you just want to get to know each other better, you know, just signaling that to your employees, I think really helps just culturally because it shows people you really care about them. You're, you're actually interested in their voice, Excellent. but it also kind of breaks down some of these barriers, you know, if they have to ask you clarifications, like, were you the anonymous post-it? No, you know, is that, uh, whatever. Uh, they can ask those types of <laughs> let, questions. Let me pause you for I just a minute. I think you're thinking of a bigger company than my company. My office is my bedroom. Um, okay. So Wendell, my assistant. He's really the employee that we're focusing on here. Well, he's, one, he's one of, he's one of the, a very small cadre of employees. Yeah. Keep in mind, I recently hired my daughter to fold t-shirts. Um, but uh, he sits at a big computer, and then a few feet from him, 
I stand on my treadmill desk, on the treadmill part, and uh, I have a computer in front of me. I never turn the treadmill on because it, it, while you walk on it, it jiggles and it knocks the computer off. Um, but uh, I do stand on this it. This is the most sad-ass business I have. <laughs> I, 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 I feel We're like... going public. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that now. No, you can't. I, I think yeah. in this case, you're probably uh, within yeah, your rights. Yeah, Which, uh, investors are salivating. Okay, so so given her small business setup, mm-hmm. is there something that she should be doing with Wendell? Well, I was just saying, it's for me to say, like, I'm going to be in my office and you can come, uh, you know, voice concerns or give me ideas. He's right there. He's three yeah. feet away from me. Yeah, so I think the, the office hours recommendation probably makes more sense for a larger organization. I mean, yeah. So <laughs> do you think, uh, uh, though, um, you, I'm really you, enjoying your facial expression Do you think that. it's too, yeah, wish, do you think it's too late that. to require uniforms? <laughs> <laughs> well, so again, just you and Wendell, right? So yeah. we're just talking about. Maybe one uniform, unless depending on if you wear it also. Uh, it might be a little late in the game for that. Um, yeah. It also, it depends what your goals are. So, I mean, uniforms can be useful if you want people to, let's say. Why do you have people wear well, uniforms? It's, it's a good question. You know, so, I mean, some of the obvious reasons, right? If you need to quickly identify a, an employee from a customer or something yeah. like oh, that. Yeah, exactly. If you, exactly. Yeah. So, Walmart or something, you want to know who's. I can tell the ask. difference yeah. between an employee and a customer. An employee yeah. is folding the t shirt, and a customer is taking five <laughs> bucks from me for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so maybe Walmart doesn't need wise. uniforms. But another reason, I think, is if you want your team to identify more at the collective level rather than really focus on their individuality, you can kind of induce that conformity and that higher level kind of identification through uniforms. It might work but, here at the podcast, but at home with Wendell. Yeah. I don't know. So. Well, you might, think at the podcast we should wear uniforms? I'm right? not saying we should. I'm saying at least we'd have a, we'd have an actual team present oh, as opposed to I you like and Wendell idea. standing behind Wendell and teaching. I think making him wear like a jump. <laughs> Like a jumpsuit or something sounds like a little abusive at this point. I want him to wear coveralls. Yeah, coveralls. And, uh, and, and have his, uh, and have his name, tag? name. Yeah. yeah. yeah as hi. though he were a mechanic. Hi, I'm Wendell. Yeah. I wanted to say hi. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. No, you don't, you don't think that's a good... No. What about hairnets? Do you think it's okay <laughs> to require hairnets? Because sometimes he picks up food for me. Sometimes. Well, okay. Um, Poor Wendell. Hmm. I'm just picturing him in a, in a hairnet and a, and a yeah. coverall. Well, I just want, you know, I want. there's a lot of regulations in business now. How about, how about now? retreats and team building? Should she take Wendell on a retreat and do okay. trust falls and stuff? Okay, well, oh, trust falls with Wendell. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. I, I mean, I don't know how big Wendell is, so he, I don't know he, if trust falls would work. He once but... pushed me in a wheelchair. Does that count? <laughs> okay, well, so I, what I'll say about team building, you know, and again, I don't know about your specific situation, but in yeah. general... Team building exercises can be really effective. Are they effective? So they have to be structured correctly. So there's one study that I'm aware of. It's a meta-analysis. So it's a study of studies. They're basically trying to quantify the average effect size of the relationship between two variables. In this case, the the decision to engage in team building and team performance. Wait, you got to back up for me. (laughs) I'm sorry. sorry. I didn't understand a thing. Do you have office hours? Can I come in? (laughs) A meta-analysis is there's been a bunch of studies more or less on the same topic. And they take all those studies together and try to quantify... Uh, what it all adds up to. It's it's uh, kind of uh, more uh, effective than a single study, which can be unreliable. Okay. That's a I fantastic s- explanation, yes. Yeah, yeah, he's good at that. Yeah, so... Well, Adam Felber's a wood wizard. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Culpepper. So there is a meta-analysis. I'm not taking off my ruby satin dress. You will, Mrs. Culpepper. anyone, including Tom Hanks. Why do you truckle so to Tom Hanks? <laughs> he's a big star, Sorry. Mrs. Culpepper. Oh, no, it's okay. That yeah. seems like it was necessary. She's one of my employees. Um, <laughs> 
It needed to come out. It yeah. seemed like um, I'm not wearing a uniform. <laughs> yes, you are, Mrs. Culpepper. <laughs> so what I'll say about it is, according what to what do you the, think when Tom study, Hanks comes? Right. What if we gave him a uniform? Wouldn't that be oh, the best? It really Here's would be. Here's your pedophores, but I'd like you to put these coveralls. We, uh, we are going to let the good doctor get to his his oh. point about this meta study. Of course, we get to of the, course. Yeah. Okay, so, so there's a study. Yeah, so about the it, it tends of, to be effective in a couple of uh, narrow but but useful areas. So uh, it tends to have positive effects on affective outcomes, like trust building between people, as well as kind of process related outcomes. Why so, does it matter if your employees trust one another? Well, it's it's important when you get into complex uh, interdependent tasks where you need to give me an example. Okay, so well, <laughs> I don't want to speculate on what examples may be in your life, company. Right. <laughs> right? But uh, you know, let, let's say you have you know some deadline. There's some report. You know, multiple skill sets are represented. You you can't do it all yourself. So you you all have to you know all hands on deck. Everyone has to contribute in some way. Mm-hmm. And you know, so there's there's something called uh, affective trust, right? You want you want to you know uh, trust the other person. Uh, you know, it like th- that they have your best interest in heart. That they're not going to betray you. But then there's also kind of uh, maybe performance based trust is what you would call it. So a belief in their ability Ability to get their part of the the interdependent task done on time, things like that. So if you don't have that, you're always going to be looking over your shoulder or looking over your employees' shoulders, and you know, wondering, are they doing it right? It might lead you to micromanage people. Mm-hmm. But if you can have trust at any level, not just as a boss, but any level, is going to help kind of uh, streamline the coordination and communication uh, of employees. You feel and like you might have a lot of trust between you. Yes, you trust him That's to good. do complex yeah. tasks. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um. Uh. Now, what when you when you're talking about uh, team building? Yeah. Uh, to develop this trust, uh, what what kinds of things are these team building things? Yeah, uh, so it really there are lots of ones that, that improv could work. exercises. Possibly, yeah. So I'll tell you the two <laughs> criteria that really matter. So if you want to do an effective team building exercise, it really needs to I be. I have to go into the bedroom and say, uh, Wendell, uh, I'm in a barn right now. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> so you like this improv idea already? Yeah, yeah. Kind of I'm in a I'm in a barn right now, Wendell. Yes, and me. <laughs> okay. Yes, and I'm out here milking the cows. <laughs> I can see it. All yeah. right, sorry. So what are the tr- so what are the trust building? So a exercises? couple of criteria that, that you want to kind of check off if you're going to have a team building activity. It needs to be stressful and meaningful. So you need to kind of stressful pair those things and together. Meaningful? Uh-huh. Right. So if you only right. have one but not the other, it so may So if he was like strapped to a board and there was a radial arm sock coming between his legs, that's stressful. So that would be stressful, but I would push back on that maybe not being meaningful. Well, it's meaningful oh, to him. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Well, okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I think that it would build trust to see that I would turn the machine off before it hit his private parts. Right, yeah. right. Don't you think that would be good? Uh, Where do you work yes. again, USC? Yeah, I'm just making sure that's not a trick question. I think, yeah. yes, that's yeah. a good idea to turn yeah. it off that's, before it hits yeah. his genitals. employee review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam? Um, Okay, wait. Turn Uh, it off. Turn it off. (laughs) I can't. I'm in the barn milking the cow. Stop the improv. Turn off the machine. You're going to be so bonded after that. It's going to be good. Turn it off, please. Oh, thank you. I'll do anything, boss. (laughs) You want to sift those litter boxes for me? I trust you implicitly. Wow, this really worked. Yeah. 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 Um, All right, so... Give me an example of something that's stressful and meaningful. So, uh, I mean, an extreme example, which I wouldn't recommend, is, you know, something that people in the military go through. So, Navy SEAL training, right? It's very, very stressful. Oh, I would very like meaningful. to see Wendell do Navy <laughs> SEAL <Yeah>. training. <laughs> Maybe, I don't think you should. Oh, I Maybe think that, that would be great. Version, three or four weeks, uh, something like that. Three or four yeah. weeks, yeah. Naval training. Naval so, that's SEAL extreme, training. not likely to happen for most people. But no, a more Wendell's realistic not going to build a bridge for her yeah, over a three-week yeah. period. <laughs> 
a more realistic one. Do? So I, I heard PwC, for example, you know, pretty mainstream company. What's PwC? Uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, uh, accounting uh, consulting aren't they firm. Aren't the ones that used to do the Academy Awards and they I get believe. fired? <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Yeah. What about the asshole? Like looking at his Twitter f- account instead of bringing out the right cards. What? Had they done trust exercises? <laughs> I doubt had they it. Done, had, were they Navy SEALs? <laughs> well, this is a terrible example, not. Pricewaterhouse. They well, fucked up the Academy they Awards. They might have. Well, they definitely did. I but did, yeah. I, La La Land was not that good a film. You've taken sure, it. Yeah. I, just, if they were naval seals, they would know that. I, I believe that this might be somewhat outside of uh, of of Eric's purview. Eric, Professor <laughs> Eric, chose Bryce Waterhouse. Uh, what's the well, C for? You didn't Coopers. let him get to why he was Coopers. choosing right, them. So, so yeah, the example had nothing to do with the Academy Awards, but I see <laughs> I see the connection there. But what they did uh, in this... is there a lot of trust in between Price and Waterhouse? <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> story. <laughs> I would think so at one yeah, point, right? Yeah. They, yeah, well, you don't think together. they ever got together. Cooper, Cooper said, never trusted Price. I, I was about to say, you don't think they get together and go, let's fucking throw Coopers under the bus. <laughs> so they oh, there's a problem with the Academy Awards. It was Coopers. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's why he's on the end, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. But okay, the, sorry. the exercise was they brought new employees together who had never met. So the, these they are the, the first things together. I'll explain. And these are accountants? Uh, they probably worked in a variety of roles. I'm not exactly sure. But well, isn't that what the company does? Aren't they accountants? Yeah, yeah it's it. Okay, yeah, but that's true. Why would they hire people? You're impossible to. <laughs> okay, we have with us new employees. We have a dance instructor right. and a chef. We're well, accountants. Somebody's making accountants. their ad. Somebody's right. running their web presence. No, this is what happens when you let Coopers do the hiring. <laughs> the, the guy's a fuck up and he should be thrown under I the bus. I think it's Waterhouse that no, was, honestly, wasn't carrying his and weight. He, and, he, and he made Warren Beatty look bad and that makes me mad. So anyway... I mean, th- th- this is all interesting and true. Thank but you. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, was, I just, you together. know, it was a crazy example that you were using. Right. Okay, right. so they brought okay. they brought together so, new employees yeah, that weren't accountants that might have been accountants. I don't know the details of that. I'm I'm just going to fill that in. You can let your imagination take what over. What were their but, names? <laughs> I'm kidding, I don't I'm know. Right. But basically, so some elements that made it slightly stressful. Not Navy SEAL stressful, but slightly uh-huh. stressful. They didn't yeah. know each other. They had to work together under yeah. time pressure. Yeah. It was a task they'd never done before and yeah. so the task was building Which a bicycle. Was accounting. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Building a bicycle. Building a bicycle from scratch under time pressure in front of an audience and the meaningfulness part came from having to do it for charity and so it was a competitive aspect. It got people working together on an interdependent task. Wait a they they're building a bike with. for charity? Uh, I, I don't know. There's some monetary element. They were going to donate the bikes, which probably didn't <laughs> run very well. But yeah. Yeah. What was the time pressure? Was it, was, it, was it finish the bike or the kid dies? Ooh, yeah, it was. I, that, that, uh, that was a lot of did pressure. Did you hear the story about that Make-A-Wish kid that got that really bad bike? Yeah. <laughs> They, yeah, they, he they got the kid right there looking hopefully <laughs> with, hooked up to an IV. Couldn't, couldn't turn the steering wheel for shit. It's, what right, kind so, of bike is so, this? So, it's so a Bryce Waterhouse under Cooper's bike. to make a bike. <laughs> so mildly stressful, mildly meaningful. That makes for a reasonably good team building exercise. Okay. Um, something like mildly that. Mildly yeah. stressful, mildly right. meaningful. You don't want it to be only that, stressful that and not meaningful. That could be the new yeah. slogan for this podcast. Mildly stressful. <laughs> I do like that, Adam. <laughs> yeah, mildly. mildly see, right. Do you see how I complimented Adam? Yeah, mildly was, stressful. It felt so yeah. much more important than just somebody off the street complimenting me. Yeah, mildly stressful. Like that woman stressful. that Paula believes is Dame Maggie Smith that liked my outfit. Um, <laughs> Why was it mildly stressful, mildly meaningful? Meaningful. meaningful. Yes. Oh, that's a All great. Right, let's move on to one other thing, which is uh, employee reviews. Okay. Is that going to be useful for Paula? Are they useful at all? Employee reviews are useful. By the way, how useful. do you know all this? 
Is it something you studied? So, Do you have so a- I teach a class on uh, organizational behavior and leadership. Okay, my research kind of touches on question. some of this. How did you know it? So uh, I, I, mean, I sit alone in awfully, a cubicle a lot and just yeah, read articles. You and then are an stu- awfully yeah. young looking guy. I, like the uh, idea that you know anything about any kind of management. But he's got a PhD. He has a PhD. He's an That's assistant true. professor of management and organization. So he says. We- <laughs> <laughs> Feel like he's true. the youngest Cooper. That's what I think. <laughs> That's why he's an apologist. Right. Yeah. I mean, another way to look at this is that I'm just some sort of like prodigy. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's now the it Doogie Hauser of, right, of uh, right. management. Right. I all prefer right, Doug, that. Yeah. Um, the Doogie Hauser of management and organizational yeah. theory. All right. So, so what did you say? Uh, so performance reviews. You were, you're before asking we were about, questioning yeah. your credentials to be right. here at all. <laughs> right. oh, I'm happy that you're here. Thank you for being here. <laughs> 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 do you see, I did that. It was yeah. a skill yeah, I recently good, learned. Well done, yeah. boss. Thank you for coming. Crackerjack job again, boss. I'll tell you what. I'm going to tie both of you up. And try to get out in 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can do that, we'll give one of you to charity. All right. Wow. wow. I think you may have misunderstood some of the <laughs> earlier <laughs> So right, performance so reviews. Performance reviews. Right. So in your case, very unique case, one employee, one boss, I, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. We can maybe return to that. But just yeah. in general, they're very useful. But people Are often they? mess them up. So oh, the okay. problem I think that most leaders do is they only hold it once a year. So the annual performance review is is yeah. the most common. That's a long time. And it's you, a long and time. You, and you'd be so stressed out too, wouldn't you? Exactly. I Everything. mean, there are a few problems with that. So yeah. one is employees derive a lot of motivation from receiving feedback, and so performance reviews are you know the the quintessential form of feedback that they receive. Mm-hmm. So once a year is not enough. Also. The people doing the performance reviews often fall victim to what's known as the recency bias. So you have a whole year of performance, but if somebody did something amazing in the last two or three weeks leading up to the performance review, the boss is often you know, anchoring on that uh, to, the, to the point where they're assuming that that's representative of the whole year of performance when it may just be this one account. Whereas the person has been right. great all year, but just didn't do, do exactly. a lot monthly. Exactly. Yeah. So there are a lot of problems with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also people just need more. They, they need to get back on track earlier if they have things going on. So the research I'm aware of suggests, you know, somewhere between once a month and once a quarter is kind of an appropriate time frame to deliver feedback to employees. Mm-hmm. So but, should, should yeah. she be posting notices on her refrigerator that the employee reviews? Yeah, should I do that? Up? Should I say, should I, or I can yeah. just turn from where I stand on my treadmill. Yeah, I mean, you have a, lot of, Wendell, a lot of ways to away. communicate Wendell, this. Wendell, yeah. your performance, your employee performance review is coming up. Soon. So please Soon. fill out the self-evaluation form, right? Do they do a self-evaluation form? So, I mean, form? what I would what a recommend... Waste that would be. So I'd say it's useful in the context of what's known as a 360 evaluation. So you may have heard of these where you get no. one target person being evaluated. So let's say, well, <laughs> your example, again, is too unique to really I talk about. Worse and worse for be, Wendell. Yeah. Right. It yeah, would yeah, be... Yeah. Wendell. It would be Wendell and you, basically. But but typically in a larger organization, you would want the focal employee to fill out the survey about themselves, so their own self-perceptions, how they're doing on various dimensions. You'd want their boss or bosses to fill out the same questions about them. That would be me and me. Yeah. You know, their peers, their subordinates, get all that information presented to them at the aggregate level. You probably don't want to reveal people's identities necessarily. What does that mean, aggregate level? Uh, so if you know five people are rating uh, somebody on a dimension, you average those five scores rather than just say, oh, uh, so-and-so sort, said you were awful. Sort of like those uh, meta-studies we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. So that could be really useful. And okay. it also helps start a conversation because you don't have to be the one to always say, you know, I think you're doing poorly in these areas. Like, let's just look at the numbers. You know, your, your subordinates Although, think this about you. in Paula's you. case, it's like... Right, it's pretty clear yeah. where all the numbers are coming right, from. Right, right. Yeah. So the anonymous aspect I've, is yeah, not going to work. I've, uh, yeah, I've uh, averaged 
Yeah, I'd like to keep you, Wendell, but I've been getting a lot of pressure from upstairs. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, all I can do to protect your job year after year. Right. Yeah, I've thrown myself between you and disaster over and over again <laughs> here at our company. Cooper's, you're next. <laughs> um, I just think it's weird that Pricewaterhouse would hire people that weren't accountants. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's I, a I, massive organization. They need lots of support staff. I was trying to know, tell her that. Yeah, I mean, they, don't they even need try. support staff. Yes. So there's the one guy who's writing the numbers and the accountant sheet, and then there's a guy who hands him the pen. Is that the support staff? No, there's all kinds Here of things. Here you are, sir. Here's another pen. No. Uh, damn it, Coopers. Quickly with the pens. Quickly. I think your misapprehensions about what goes into being an accounting firm might in some ways be related to some of the other business problems that we were talking about earlier on this show. How many shirts were sold, Coopers? A <laughs> <laughs> hundred, sir. Then why is she out 50 bucks? <laughs> all right. One last question. How bad does an employee have to be before you should fire them? Oh, well, that's that's a really important question, because what, what often happens is leaders. That's one of the most painful, awkward. And Wendell, I'm not talking things, about you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this is the hypothetical employees in the an organization. Just on the front door. One employee. Right. I'm not even going to, you know, just yeah. change the locks. I got to right? change the locks. Yeah. You know, he, he knows where I sleep. Well, so <laughs> this is. Yeah, this is. Yeah. Uh, that's all. I sleep it sounds right like it's beside true. the right. treadmill. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so an employee has to be pretty bad, but I, I would say you can be bad in a, in a number of ways, and some of them are worse than others. So okay. you can be like a, a cancer on the culture. That seems like it's particularly yes. bad, right? Because that can if vary. Some kind of backbiting. Okay, right, wouldn't right. that be time to impeach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, so. I'm thinking of somebody. Yeah, I don't know who. <laughs> yeah, could be almost anybody. So if they're cancer to the culture, I right, can tell you who. that's one way. <laughs> if, if, if it's like a skill deficit or a performance deficit, you a know, skill I think, deficit. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe Wendell or shouldn't you have noticed employees. that when yeah. you hired him, when you had him build the bicycle, shouldn't you have noticed the skill deficit? <laughs> Possibly. Right. Yeah. And so that gets back to kind of, you know, recruitment and socialization issues that we didn't really talk about, but that I think are really relevant to this can emerge well. over time. You can yeah, start saying like, yeah. oh, we're asking him to do a lot of this and he's just not doing it. So I think the key thing is, you know, if you notice a problem that could eventually one day lead to that being fired you want to address it as quickly as possible that's the thing uh -huh. i think bosses wait too long yeah. to do they, yeah. they see something and because it's just an awkward conversation or they think it will get better naturally they don't address it and then it gets worse it ah, may shit. affect other people yeah. okay and you know so what you want i to address do it this is quickly. what i do this yeah. is not this is not good okay um but i say stuff like i'm not good at addressing things directly so uh, for, I might say, for example, I might say to an employee, I knew a person once who didn't really fold the T-shirts neatly and quickly. <laughs> I, it would be hard for me to say. <laughs> wow. It's, it, and is that where that ends? No, because, you know. Because that, that's I, no, almost like be, mobster yeah. talk there and, uh, if I it ended say. with, <laughs> and that person met with a tragic accident. <laughs> no, it's not like that. Because it sounds like uh, a mob yeah, threat. Yeah, I was just saying, you know. Oh. And eventually they got fired. That's what I, I know a person with, that didn't fold the t-shirts neatly and quickly. She sleeps and, with the fishes. And eventually, <laughs> eventually they were, they lost their job. That's how I would is say that, it. Is that an effective, uh. Uh, no, no. I mean, no. This is another no way time. To spin it's that. a little thuggish. Yeah. This is, uh, is it that kind of thuggish? Yeah, it's like, hey, not for nothing. 
I love the job you're doing, but I knew somebody who didn't fold yeah. the t-shirts no, well. And, uh, no, you know, the head's in one corner of the football field and the body's in another. You're going in entirely another direction. Well, I there's think not, that's the message that comes across, no, there's though. there's nothing thuggish about me at all, although I am one belt away from a black belt. There you wow. go. Um, but there's yeah. nothing yeah, thuggish you've got, about you've me. You've got pecs of steel, you're one belt away from a black belt, and you make veiled threats to employees. No, that's, no I, I just, it's, it's hard for me to say, like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Instead, what I do is I, I think of an example of someone else who did and is that a is that a good tactic? Uh, That's not the it's, it's, right. it's 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 not the best tactic. I would say you you want to express compassion, whatever that means in the context, and then mm-hmm. uh, but also just oh, being you very poor direct. Thing. You didn't do a good job folding these t-shirts. Right. Well, you, you, but then quickly hug. transition into uh. specifically what the problem is because uh-huh. I think employees they do crave feedback and not just positive feedback. They you know. Crave constructive criticism. Right. Oh, yeah. okay. Most All employees right. want to do a good job, and yeah. direct feedback isn't offensive. It's not. Yeah. I don't think it's offensive to say, you know, uh, you know, I noticed this in the report you produce. You know, switch this up next time because for this reason X, Y, and Z. Okay. No, you know what I do. <laughs> um, here's something that I do is I'll say like I'll say uh, I'll say okay, um, you know, we need these boxes moved over here, um, but if you don't feel like doing it, don't. How's that's, that? Well, I mean, sorry, my first reaction was to laugh. So, um, <laughs> no, I mean, so, so you'd be fired for that. Yeah, I, I think so. As the boss, I mean, you you need to be able to give orders that that have some meaning behind it. If it, if mm-hmm. you say something and it, there are no consequences to not doing it or it's mm-hmm. not taken seriously, you're not going to be able to predict the behavior of the person you're asking, and that's yeah. that's going to be a problem. So you they need to be able to predict some of your behaviors. Uh, and it sounds very similar to parenting. Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. I think that's a nice that's a nice parallel for many uh, leadership traits. You know. Yeah. One thing that can kind of help clarify some of these uncertainties or ambiguities or communication issues, and this is something that's that's useful upfront when you hire someone, is yes. w- w- the idea of a user manual for yourself. So we often think of you know a TV comes with a user manual, a refrigerator, but humans actually can produce user manuals about how to work with yourself. So. Let's say you have a new employee, you want to help streamline the process of onboarding them. You could create a one-page document that basically says, here is the best way to work with me. Here's when you'll find me at my worst. Here are some quirks that you may not, it may take some time for you to figure out, but let me just tell you about them up front. Uh-huh. Here are, here's the best way to communicate with me. Things like this. Uh-huh. If you can just give that to someone up front as part of the socialization process, oh. then you get in, you know, then maybe you tell your employee, if you do have this more indirect way of communicating, you could include that in your yeah. user hey, manual. Just so you know, I'm going to communicate right. with you indirectly. I may yeah. speak, you know, in the third person, but I'm really speaking, yeah. you know, about you. Making, or making a user yeah. manual sounds, sounds weird. Cause then the, the yeah. next thing you do is you have a employees calling customer service figure out <laughs> yeah, how to talk yeah. to you and, and then yeah but in that case you'd um, answer the call in that case no yeah. she'd outsource it to uh, you yeah. <laughs> all right well um thank you dr anisic uh for giving us the tools to be bossy in the right way and paula based on what you've just heard what advice can you give our listeners about how to manage your many many employees Hey, Kristen Webb, can I have a little social hierarchy music to underscore this? Uh, it's, it's not really advice. I, it's a, a summary of what I've learned. Perfect. I learned that I really have done everything wrong with my small staff. If I had it to do again, I'd do it differently. I'd be more direct. Wendell, welcome to my company, Lipstick Nancy Incorporated. Our shared goal is to sell these thousands of t-shirts without me losing my car. (laughs) It's time for our first employee review. So far, you're doing very well. (laughs) I've written you a kind of user manual for me as a boss. I'm not always direct. 
office hours are all day. I'm three feet away from you. Hey, I'm over here. Time for another employee review. You're not very observant. Now, it's time for our first employee retreat. Let's go into the kitchen. Okay, turn around. Now fall backwards. Now get up. <laughs> the truth is, you can't really count on me to catch you. If that doesn't work for you, they're hiring people to do absolutely anything over at Price Waterhouse Cooper. <laughs> All right, Dr. Eric Anisich is assistant professor of management and organization at USC's Marshall School of Business. Thank you so much for being on the show, Doc. Fantastic. Thank you. When we come back, a Thomas Coyne update. Is he the whistleblower? We'll find out. That's coming up right after this. The Cat of the Week is Mabel from Green Bank, West Virginia. Next in line. Hey, um, I see that you have the fun-sized Butterfingers in the bag, uh -huh. but do you have the medium-sized ones? Uh... Yeah, we got a new box right here. Oh, terrific. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, uh, what do I owe you? That's 275. All right, terrific. Out of five? Thank you. Of all the things that need to change, there are many. In the Butterfinger recipe, there weren't any. Provide equal opportunity? That's lunacy. Anyone can see. Can't they address that deep regret instead of just fucking with my chocolate? Some things need to change. Some things need to change. But not my butterfingers. But not my butterfingers. Some things need to change. Some things need to change. But not my butterfingers. But not my butterfingers. What the fuck is this? I'm sorry? There's something wrong with this. What's the expiration date on this? Ma'am, those came in this morning. Why, there's something wrong with them. Oh my god. New improved recipe. I'm sorry? Uh, I'll miss a crispity, crunchity fun size, but what are you thinking? Wouldn't it have been wise? Consider my sister, consider my brother. Stop the gun violence, stop shooting one another. Cruelty to the transgender. I don't get it. It's such a mind bender. That needs a correction, but Butterfingers don't need a new direction. Change our type of fuel. Make a powerful public school. And if we don't let love rule, we're done. Some things need to change. Some things need to change. But not my butterfingers. But not my butterfingers. But not my butterfingers. But not my butterfingers. Please. But not my butterfingers. Oh, skip the meat. Need some greens. Oh, that is. In case you don't know. Uh, at, at here at uh, WPAU, home of the hits, uh, that is Paula Poundstone's. Uh, that's Paula Poundstone's new rap single, uh, "Not My Butterfinger," burning up our charts, number one for the fourth week in a row. Uh, it's on, available on, on Spotify show. and everywhere you can listen to music. So get it on iTunes, get it on Apple Music. Just go get it. It's sweeping the nation. It sure is. You know what All I right. just realized? What's that? I have more employees. I thought you did too. Yeah. I. <laughs> 
Oh, you're you sitting surrounded by them. I'm like, wait a minute. I have Tony Anita Hall. Yeah. I, have, I have Tyler, who I keep calling Ryan because right. I, I, because I because I forgot to welcome him to the family. Yeah. People always do that. They say our our company is like a family. That's yeah. a frightening our, idea. Yeah, that's quite an idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't, no one ever does that yeah. when they have a kid. They never go, welcome to the company. No, you've got a lot of employees. Uh, yeah, I do. I have you're, a bunch of employees. You're surrounded by them. Uh, Captain Crinkle uh, thinks I'm her boss. I love that. Well, <laughs> technically, I mean, it's not quite a boss-employee relation, but technically, yes, yeah, she does work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This has really come wide open yeah. here. This so, so if you wanted this to have fantastic. uniforms, you I have could. a huge company. Oh, I want uniforms. You know, and the reason I bring that up is because I was looking over um, Eric's shoulder during that interview, and when uniforms came up, Tony Anita Hull really perked up when we started talking about the coveralls with the name tag on it. Tony, is that right? You would want one of those. Absolutely. See? I, oh, man, I'm loving this. Yeah, we're getting uniforms. Right, because Bonnie's idea was like, well, I'll just get one for Tony, but my, my no, feeling is... No, 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 the whole idea of it's uniforms... It's not a uniform if, if yeah. we're all not wearing... Yeah, then it's just cover. a bizarre outfit. Yeah, Tony's making a cosplay choice that is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, everyone's going to have a uniform. I can't wait to tell Wendell. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to love this. All right, Paula, so we have a Thomas Coyne update. Oh, thank goodness. He yes. has not been seen. He has not been seen, and uh, to remind everybody, way back, a year ago, episode three, we had this survivalist booked on this show to come tell us how to survive a bear attack. Yeah. And he didn't make it. Or know what to do if you encounter a bear. Well, one would... Well, we were hoping you could avoid the attack, yes. Adam. That okay. was the idea. Okay. You know right. how you survive a bear attack? You don't. Ah! Well, yeah, you we, scream. We'll never know because he didn't show up. Apparently, you know, he could survive bears, but not Miranda Street. Yeah. And so Survivalist Tonimus Corn, we've kind of launched a worldwide harebrained manhunt for him. It's not harebrained in any way. It's a... Uh, uh, it's a dragnet. We've thrown a dragnet across the entire globe. I, I question your use of the term dragnet because we're trying to find. What yeah. we've asked the listeners to do is is flag down and put pins on our map to let us know places where Thomas Coyne currently isn't. That's exactly what Bill Barr is doing right now. He's going around the world looking for Thomas Coyne. It's uh, you know what he's and had, Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani is also part yeah, of the Thomas Coyne search. Quite quite a team there. Yeah. So he hasn't been seen in a lot of places. I you know again. My better judgment. I'm going to read all these. Um, listener, well, on our Facebook page, we have a we listeners. have an interactive map. You yeah. can put a pin in there and say, "Hey, Thomas Coyne's not here." Which I want to point out again: if if he's not there when you first look, he could go there later. Yeah. Well, that's there's why, a certain that's, temporal that's component why to this that backup. we haven't addressed. You yeah, need backup. That's why you need backup. Okay, that's so why if we got to work as a team, people. Right, right. If you hear, if you see a pin on the map. You might want to go verify because it's been a while. Maybe he's there now. So, yeah. <laughs> there you, you go. You go this way. I'll go that way. We'll right. find him. Right. So, uh, listener Jay Sheslow wrote, looked everywhere and asked for Thomas Coyne, and he's not here at the He's Not Here legendary college bar in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, go Tar Heels. Oh, well, th uh, thank you. Because that's uh, just Jay. the kind of thinking that Thomas Coyne might employ. Being, oh, a, you this know, is, he's, like, a oh, he's a devious I'll, guy. I'll hide at the He's Not Here bar. Uh, Peter McClelland had this thoughtful observation. I feel the search has been going all wrong. He is a survivalist and not likely to be spending a lot of time in civilization where most of the search has been. My family and I have traversed the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness in Minnesota, America's most popular wilderness, from August 5th through 11th. We covered 60 miles of lakes and portages is a great idea and never saw not. a sign of Thomas Coyne in all that time and distance. Well, Fantastic work, Peter. That. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, to your entire family. Neil, 
Yeah, thank you for your service. No, Neil that- Sato wrote, I would like to confirm that Thomas Coyne is not in the lunchroom of NASA's Katherine Johnson Independent Verification and Validation Facility in Fairmont, West Virginia at this time, August 9th at 8.15 a.m. Fuck, I thought for sure that he would be there and then. Oh, my I God. I feel like, like they're proving, these are proving my point for me. What do you mean? Well, we've I thought to- for sure he was going to be there. No, you didn't. I did. That's exactly where I had narrowed him down to. I, I, you haven't seen the wall in my bedroom slash office. I bet it looks like a beautiful mind in I've there. Got, uh, I've got, you know, the yarn things yeah, going. That's what I'm one, saying. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, Newspaper I don't know. clippings. Yeah, yeah. I, I am Hair this, samples. this close, yeah. Adam, to, to nailing this. Another listener is on to you, Adam. What? He writes, the real reason why Adam doesn't like your search method is because either he is working with Thomas Coyne and is scared that your strategy is too good, or he is Thomas Coyne in disguise. (laughs) He doesn't like your simple sample dialogue because he doesn't want more listeners who can look for Coyne. Believe me, I'm right. Best regards, listener Andrew Slumchick. Well, listen here, listener Slumchick. (laughs) You're barking up the wrong tree, and you don't want to be sniffing around that tree anyway, if you know what I mean. No! I'm not... I'm not Thomas Coyne, and that's not the reason I have an objection to this. It's because it's methodologically unsound. No, like if you were Thomas Coyne, you would just say it. Maybe you're Thomas Coyne. I'm not Thomas Coyne. Yeah, that's what he would say. Uh. (laughs) So, Paula, you've been speaking of travel, traveling a lot, and uh, you ran into an old friend the other day. No, here's what I read. Okay, I was at a show the other day. Uh It might have been Ridgefield, Connecticut, and a guy came up to me. And he said, do you remember my sister, Missy Haswell? Really? And I was like, oh, my God. I haven't heard Missy. The last time I remember is maybe the second, third, fourth grade. But you totally remembered her. I I absolutely remember her. She had a beautiful blonde braid. I can remember the dress that, well, I'm sure she had more than one dress, but I remember a specific dress. I think she sat like in front of me in uh, one of our elementary school years. Uh, it was Missy Haswell's brother. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of amazing. You know, I, I've i been back in contact with an old school friend, too, because he's in the news these days. Can I bring this up? I propose yeah, Miss, a friend the, that's in the news? Yes. Is it Bill Barr? It's, it's, it's surprisingly close. Really? I went to school. Mrs. Barr? No, I was friends in high school, not Mrs. Barr, with this, uh, with this kid named Mark Zaid. And who's he? Well, right now he is, the, he is one of the two lawyers of both of the uh, whistleblowers, whistleblowing oh. the whistle on the Trump organization. He's really? Mark's on TV all the time. He's this ultra, you know, he's, he's for clean governance, always has been, bipartisan. Uh, lawyers on the news all the time now. I, no, I haven't. I, I haven't seen him, but he's, but you still don't know who the whistleblower is. You j- you know the if lawyer. I, he hasn't told, the no, whistleblower. I, no, he's he not going to tell you because that's not. Uh, no, he's an ethical lawyer. I he, have a he, theory, but there's bullshit. I have a theory, by the way. What? That it's Missy Haswell. Why would it be Missy Haswell? <laughs> I don't know. There's just everything about her that well, seems I to really fit the profile. I really hope it's not now that we've brought up her name on the show. Oh, shit. I hope I haven't endangered the life. You blew her cover, life. Missy, run! <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't have a braid. She doesn't have a braid. You know, this, this that is was an inaccurate description. She never wears a she dress. She probably doesn't anymore. Uh, um, but, but, uh, she, she outgrew that dress. Don't look for her in that dress. Okay. Yeah, that's great. You know, I was thinking that um, this, uh, our house band, uh, Kristen Webb, yes. uh, who is playing the contrabassoon uh, this week, has been fantastic. Remarkably. But it would be great to have on one of the whistleblowers as the house band. <laughs> 
you do realize that that's not actual whistles what do you involved mean? with the whistleblower. No. There's no real whistles. Yes, there is. No, you don't blow a whistle. It's a, it's a figure of speech. I don't know. What do you mean? Well, it's like it's like what you name. It's what you've named that thing. But because what's because, the thing? Uh, the 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 act, Missy Aswell. The act of seeing seeing some injustice and and and, and going to a third party to to you mm-hmm. know to tell it's them called whistleblowing because called, they blow the whistle. There's no real when whistle. When they see it, they put a whistle in their mouth. They go. Do you like the Carpenters? I love the Carpenters. Do you feel like they they build shelves as well as sang music? They might have. We don't they, know that they didn't. They're not covered. It's a name. Why it's a would metaphor. you bring up the carpenters? I don't know, because I'm stressed. <laughs> this show is stressful for me. It's very stressful. Wow. I can't believe you just brought up the carpenters from I can't out believe nowhere. you framed your as old, if, uh, your old grade school friend as a whistleblower. Well, you're letting her off the hook with the carpenters. Do you think it could only be one carpenter now, right? Because one of them died, so it's the other one. You know what he's doing? He's contacting the Congress through his lawyer, Mark, Mark Zaid. When all this is over and the smoke clears and Mark could leave Washington, he'd be a great guest on this show. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, if you're listening, and I know you're not, think about it. <laughs> No, that would be great. I, you know, I, I, maybe he doesn't have as many demands as Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks wants petty fours. He can have petty fours as far as I'm concerned. That reminds me. <laughs> oh, look at this. Petty fours. I am, I am French Trump. It's French Trump. Welcome back to our French show. French Trump. Remarkable physical resemblance to Mrs. Culpepper. I, I, I did not do it. I did do it. It is okay to do it, and I will do it again. Look what he did. <laughs> wow. Is I, French Trump. <laughs> With a French accent, that almost sounds like Tom, a plausible Tom, accent. Uh, uh, Tom Hanks wants petted cats. Tom Hanks wants petted, petted cats? Petted cats. He petted cats. <laughs> petted cats. What's petted cats mean? It's a translation, a French translation for petty fours. Cats is not a translation for fours, French Trump. Un, deux, trois, quatre. Oh, cats. <laughs> Oh, wow. I'm sorry, I was thrown off by your extremely realistic accent. Un, deux, trois, quatre. <laughs> I am French Trump. I will make crepe Suzette out of Joe Biden. <laughs> and Nancy Pelosi, do not try to impeach me. I will not stand for impeachment. <laughs> impeachment. Impeachment. And we will not have petty cats. <laughs> Petty cats, I get it Petty now. Petty cats, Tom Hanks. I w- I'm really. Do not trickle to Tom Hanks. <laughs> I want to move on. I have sent Bill Barr all around the world to do investigations <laughs> of Joe Biden. I have to say, I will I... make crepes of Joe Biden. How do you make? I a... will make French toast of Joe Biden. Now I know French people don't call it French toast. No, they, they call it French toast. No, they... They probably you call do, it you toast. You know nothing, Adam Felbert. <laughs> I what will is... truckle to you no more, Adam Felbert. <laughs> oh, I am French belligerent. Trump. You are belligerent French Trump. I am French Trump. Trump what do you call French fries, French Trump? Freedom fries, of course. <laughs> Francois fries. <laughs> I will not be impeached because I cannot sustain impeachment. <laughs> Can I, I talk am to French Paula? Trump. <laughs> you would like to speak to Miss Penstein? <laughs> if she's available. Not now. <laughs> How about Mrs. Culpepper? Miss Culpepper is not available at this time. 
Oh, I don't know why you all twinkle to Tom Hanks so. <laughs> yes, Adam. Adam, can I help you? Yeah, Paula. While you were gone, this craziest shit happened. <laughs> anyway, um, was, was French Trump here? Oh, uh, he was. He was. He always seems to show oh. up just as you leave. He's like, you're Snuffleupagus. <laughs> All right, we'll be back right after this. According to climate scientists, we have 10 years and 12 weeks until the Earth begins to become uninhabitable. Hello, my name is Tusk Henderson, and I am an outdoorsman. Are you looking for a new comedy podcast? This month's episode of Beef and Dairy Network Podcast has as its guest the wonderful Nick Offerman, playing the part of Tusk Henderson, adventurer and outdoorsman. Think about fitting yourself a month's worth of provisions and a half-ton cow into a kayak. So if you've never listened to the show before, this might be a good place to start. I string a bowstring between her horn tips and I can fire a spear off the top of her head and uh, took in some very delicious cod. So if you're after a new comedy podcast, why not try the Beef and Dairy Network from Maximum Fun? Download it now. You flip a cow upside down, they make an excellent toboggan. We are the host of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and now, nearly 10 years into our podcast, the secret can be revealed. All the clues are in place, and the world's greatest treasure hunt can now begin. Embedded in each episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me is a micro-clue that will lead you to 14 precious gemstones all around this big, beautiful blue world of ours. So start coming through the episodes. Uh, let's say starting at episode 101 on. Yeah, the early episodes are pretty problematic, so there's no clues in those episodes. Episodes. No, no, not at all. The better ones, the good ones, clues ahoy. Listen to every episode repeatedly in sequence. Laugh if you must, but mainly get all the great clues. My Brother, My Brother, and Me. It's an advice show, kind of, but a treasure hunt, mainly. Anywhere you find podcasts or treasure maps. My Brother, My Brother, and Me. The hunt is on. On this day in unremarkable history, Daniel Boone said, It's a raccoon hat. How does it look? Be honest. If it looks stupid, I'll take it off. Welcome back, all you nobodies. And uh, remember, starting on October 29th, our show drops on Tuesdays instead of Mondays. And every Tuesday thereafter. All right, Paula, you know how much I love this part of the show. Oh, you're really going to love this, Adam. Okay, I was going to ask you if you had any messages for our fans. You know, I do. Okay. Um, Adam, I know you've often been concerned that when I encourage our listeners to spread the word about nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, I've mostly suggested a simple sample dialogue directed toward only one person at a time. Adam has been very concerned (laughs) about that. And And it's me, (laughs) French Pence. Hello, French pants. You did that. You did that. <laughs> Look at his phone calls. Um, although you're often just you playing... You are so right, French <laughs> Trump. Although you're often just plain wrong, Boss. Adam. I'm the Friend of mine. 
Although you're often... Unimpeachable. <laughs> Fran Trump. You can be impeached too. Uh, although you're often just plain wrong, Adam, I've recently given some consideration to your objection and tried to propose a simple sample dialogue that will be heard by a larger audience. Really? You like that, don't Thank you? Thank you. Wow, I feel like pleasure. I'm being heard. Yeah. I feel like we need Eric back here because like when an, when an employee feels like they're being heard by the boss, it just it changes everything. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like the now, sun just came out for me. Now we're now we're on the same team with our with our goal. Yeah. With our intrinsic goal. Oh, absolutely. Let's do this, Paula. Let's appeal to a lot of listeners. All right, here it is. Hurrah. Simple, simple dialogue. Try this. Museum docent. Thank you for coming to the Museum of Natural History. If I could have you all step over this way. Terrific. And feel free to raise your hand if you have any questions. So let's begin. The Neanderthals lived in family groups. Yes? Question in the back? Listener. Well, it's not a question. It's a comment. I just want to say that I recently shared with my family that I listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast. I wanted to let them know for quite a while, but it can be an awkward conversation. Mm-hmm. See, Adam? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Museum docent. Uh, Thank you. The Neanderthals had complex social lives, so scientists believe that they must have been able to talk to each other. Yes, I see a hand up. Listener, Penn Jillette was a guest on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast. Teller really can talk. Museum docent. <laughs> Thank you. Neanderthals evolved in Europe and Asia. This isn't fair. Yes, you had your hand up? Listener, Adam and Paula thought they were doing very well in Moldova, but it turns out they read the podcast (laughs) charts wrong. They have like one listener there, even though they did an episode where they sampled the Moldovan dish Mamaliga, which was such a funny episode. They could easily tell it apart from Fruit Loops, even with bags over their heads. (laughs) Museum docent. Excellent. Thank you. As you can see from these replicas, Neanderthals had large noses, strong double-arched brow ridges, and short, stocky bodies. Yes. Listener, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast listeners, don't really know what Mrs. Culpepper looks like. She does wear a ruby sateen dress, though, which Tom Hanks hates. He won't even do the show if she wears it. He also wants them to provide pettifors, which reminds me, French Trump is hysterical. Museum docent, thank you. It is likely that Neanderthals used pigment to decorate or camouflage their bodies. Yes, you, ma'am, with your hand up. Listener, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast, once had a tattoo artist and body piercer on. Oh, my God, it was funny. Museum docent, ma'am, I think the other people enjoying the museum tour would appreciate it if you didn't interrupt to tell about nobody listens to Paula Poundstone anymore. (laughs) Listener, the comedy podcast, museum docent, yes. Oh, my God. Museum guest one, let the comedy podcast listener talk. Museum guest two, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast, sounds great. Museum guest three, if Neanderthals hadn't gone extinct, I'll bet they would have listened to that show. Museum guest four, I'm going to listen. Thanks for telling us. Museum guest five, does Mrs. Culpepper have a husband? (laughs) Wow. So that, you see, Adam, uh, Yeah, explain to me again how this is more inclusive and more likely that... Because she's talking to a whole group of people at the museum. Right, but you've scripted out responses that are positive that they would all have to read. 
No, they don't have to read them. Adam, this is simple, simple dialogue. Yeah, I, I can't guarantee what what the responses will be. I can guarantee that this will never happen. <laughs> this is this is no better than any of the other ones. I mean, you you, you got me on the team, and then you, you had me kick the football, and you pulled it away. The Adam, last I think it's step. time for another employee review. Oh, no. No, no, no. I'll, I'll work harder, Paula. As if that's possible. <laughs> All right, nobodies. Remember, our email address again is nobodylistenstopallapoundstone at gmail.com. And you can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can find my remarkably soft tri-polyblend t-shirts with the self-portrait on the left breast and the memorable quote on the back at paulapoundstone.com. Just think of tripoly as being within quotes. That's our show, everybody. <laughs> Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Felber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Technical direction by Ray Horseman and mixing by Anthony Alfaro. Special thanks to tonight's house band, Kristen Webb. Thank you so much. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Eric Anisich. Security muscle provided by Tyler Knives Burke. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me. For your special Paula Poundstone discount, use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? All right. Things that I think I'm good at are keeping the show organized, uh, staying on task. Um, I, I think I have some challenges in terms of patience with some of the other employees, um, including the boss at times. Uh, but I think overall, I've, it's been a very strong quarter for me. Um, well, let me just go over what your coworkers have said. Okay. Now, this is uh, an amalgamation. I'm not going to give names. Okay. This is what all the people higher up say? Yeah. Okay. Well, Tony Anita Hall, for example, said... Well, you just used her name. Oh, okay. Well, tell me what she said, Anita. Uh, no, no, it doesn't seem... It doesn't so seem... So now right. I really now want that, to know. Now that I've... Whistleblower Tony Anita Hall <laughs> says... <laughs> MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.